And the truth is, you don't know what you don't know until you try. And also the truth is, if you don't try, you will never accomplish that thing. So you might as well have a go. Welcome to the Veterinary Leadership Success Podcast, the show for veterinary practice owners and managers who are eager to become the leaders their teams deserve. I'm your host, veterinarian and leadership expert, Dr. Dave Nichol, and each week I'll be diving into important topics from the world of veterinary team leadership. In these short, sharp and punchy episodes, I'll share my insights, experiences and practical tips to help you navigate the challenges of leadership in the veterinary profession. Whether it's head in the clouds vision casting or in the trenches leading for performance, we will cover it all. As an owner myself, I understand the unique dynamics and demands of running a successful veterinary practice. And I'm passionate about empowering you to create a workplace where people and pets can thrive. So if you're ready for your weekly leadership fix, let's dive in to this week's show. On today's show, we are getting ring-a-ding-a-bling-bling with seven lessons I've learned from a season competing in triathlon. Yes, those are my medals jingling away in the background. All right, let's get into the meat of this episode then. You can hear the jangling. Those are medals from five events I competed in triathlon this season. And over the course of it, I've learned some pretty interesting lessons and things about myself. So let's get into this. I'm going to split this into two episodes because I thought, let's do 10 things I learned about triathlon and I ended up with 14. That's too many for one episode. So let's get into them. We'll do seven first up. Thing one is you don't know what you don't know until you try. Too many people are scared to try things because of things they fear might happen or fear of the unknown or made up things in their head that they worry about that might happen that are unlikely to happen. So if you start telling yourself negative stories about doing things, you're not going to accomplish them. You'll put yourself off right away before you even get going. So about a year and a half ago, maybe a little more than that, I made a very public announcement uh, doing a keynote at the OVMA conference in Canada, in Toronto, that I was going to make it my objective to compete as a member of Team GB in the age group squad at the European Championships for triathlon. Okay, now, (laughs) that's not an easy thing to do. Age group makes it easier because you're divided into your age groups. So I'm competing with other athletes in the 45 to 49 year old age bracket, not with the whippersnappers who are actual Olympic athletes because I'd have no chance against those guys. It's hard to do, okay? But up in my head right away, the imposter monkey gets to work going like you're not even a proper triathlete what are you even thinking about that goal for you're not even a club triathlete what business have you got going thinking you could represent not just a country not just scotland but the whole of the united kingdom there's 64 million people live here you what makes you think you could do that that's all the chat that goes on in your head and the truth is you don't know what you don't know until you try and the, also the truth is, if you don't try, you will never accomplish that thing. So you might as well have a go. And don't let your self-talk, your trash talk, knock you off the ball. Because when you start trying, you will learn things. And at every single race I competed in this year, I learned something new at all of them. And it was fantastic. Okay, thing two, practice makes 
progress. At the start of the season, I got my butt handed to me in race one. Like I was, I think I was 23rd or 24th out of 31 athletes in the sprint triathlon up at Eton Dorney. And um, look at this poxy medal. It's a little bit of balsa wood. It's the worst medal by far. And so it should be. I came 23rd. The triathlon I just competed last weekend, despite the fact that my run was the worst run I have ever done in a triathlon, bar none, because my legs were just exhausted, not enough rest from the triathlon I did the week before. But despite that fact, I came fourth in my age group, which is the highest place finish I've ever had. So from the start of the season to the end of the season, by learning, by practicing, by putting in the hours in each of the disciplines, by getting race-specific practice done, I was able to improve my performance gradually. And the wonderful thing about endurance sports is that you're building an engine. And although I'm going to take a couple of weeks of break now, that baseline fitness this year, when I recommence training for next season in two or three weeks' time, that base level, I'll be starting from a higher base than I was the previous year. And that means if I can stay injury-free and the training goes well, that I should be able to accomplish better levels of performance in later races. Practice makes progress. And that goes for any damn skill that you're willing to undertake. You know, so as leaders, we're always having to learn new skills, decision-making skills, recruiting people, hiring people, talent assessment skills, feedback skills, communication skills, strategic planning skills. These are all highly important skills. And they're not very well-developed skills for most of us in leadership. So you've got to practice them. Practice, 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 and you will get better. Number three, know your weaknesses. If you suck at something, you've got to do something about that. I sucked in my cycling, and I had a 15-year-old bike, at least, which I'd basically not ridden for all of that time. And I hadn't put a lot of hours into training on the bike properly, so my bike was a very weak leg. And when I came 23rd in that race at the start of the season, I raced on that old bike and I got absolutely destroyed. I had no chance in that race because of that. So I went out, I researched what changes had been in technology. I spoke to a bunch of people and I decided to invest in a new bike. And then I invested a lot of time and energy on training to build up my muscles and my strength for cycling. And the net effect of that is that my cycling has moved from being my worst event to being my best event or joint best event with swimming. And that has resulted in a terrific amount of progress because I shored up a weakness. Now in business, you don't often have the opportunity to shore up weaknesses. Like there are things that we can do with technology. Like if you're weak in your practice because you've got, you know, out of date technology, then yes, you can invest and you can improve that. And that's something you should do. But if it's a personal skill, it might just be a natural area that you are very weak in that natural area, and that's just the way it is. And if that's the case, then the way you shore up that weakness is you hire talent that has got that skill set that can shore up that weakness. But you've got to know it to start it, okay? So if you've got a weakness, if you've got a blind spot, you've got to be honest with yourself, it's there, and then you can make a plan to address that one way or the other. Number four, goal setting is incredibly important. It's important when it comes to sports. You know, I set myself the goal of competing as a Team GB athlete. I'd like to do that by the year 2025, or at least I think I'll have found out if I'm capable of that by the year 2025. And that goal has been really important in motivating me, particularly through winter and the long, you know, effectively you're training 
all year round. I go on holidays, I'm training on holidays. I go overseas to do a speaking engagement of some kind, I will be training at six in the morning during that week of travel for speaking engagements. It is relentless. And there are many mornings that I wake up and I do not want to go. But if you've set yourself a goal, a big goal, and then you've set broken that down into you know a, a training block goal and then a week's worth of goals and then a day's worth of goals, and you're always focusing on that, you will maintain your motivation much, much better. And there's no way that I will accomplish my goal if I don't commit to my training. So what is your goal? Have you set yourself a goal? Does the practice have a clearly defined mission? A mission is a goal to which you are hell-bent on accomplishing. So what is your practice's mission? Is it just eat, sleep, vet, med, repeat? That's not a goal. That's a treadmill. That's running on the treadmill without a good reason why, and you're going to get exhausted and bored of that sooner than later. So what is your actual goal? And is it a big, hairy, audacious goal? I hope it is, because they're the exciting ones to work towards. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. Number five, by golly, get training buddies. Training buddies are the best. You'll train better, like especially during winter when your motivation is likely to ebb. If you've got a training partner, then that's an accountability partner. That's why I joined Triathlon Club in February. I joined Brighton Triathlon Club. And it made a big difference at a time when my motivation was ebbing in winter when you know the sun is not there at the start of a cycle and it doesn't get very high during the day. The low sun is terrifying to cycle in because you know drivers can't see you that well. There might be ice on the roads. It's not really that tempting to go out you know, and spend three hours in winter on the roads unable to feel your hands and feet because you're frozen solid. But when you've got a training buddy and you're going out there, and especially when you get to about an hour and a half, two hours in, and you can stop and have some cake and tea in a nice cafe, and you have a laugh about how awful it is, it makes a difference. So training buddies are helpful. Whether you are, you know, there's so much tough stuff we have to deal with as leaders, and there's brilliant stuff we have to deal with and, and witness as leaders as well. It's an incredible opportunity. And the people that I work with, and I'm blessed to work with in my leadership teams, you know, we have laughed together, cried together, gotten drunk together, shared. We've got these stories of some of them mind-bogglingly insane, some of them mind-bogglingly brilliant, but they're shared. And that's part of the human experience and it matters. So get training buddies. They make a big difference. And the journey is a lot less lonely when you've got people to share it with. Next one. Medals are awesome. 
Yes, they are. Anybody that says they're not is lying. I love getting a medal at the end of a race. And, you know, they come over and they, they put the ribbon around your neck and it means you've competed, you've completed, you got in the arena, you came out the other side, and regardless of the time on the board, that medal is a token. It's a token that marks the moment of something you accomplished. And that's what these things are. So how can you give out medals in your practice? Now, we're not necessarily talking literally giving out bits of metal with a ribbon on them, but they're a token. So what moments do you mark? What accomplishments deserve medals in your practice? And what would those medals be? They might be gift cards. They might be medals or cups. They might be certificates. They might be high fives. They might be a pen engraved with something nice on it. They might be for accomplishing a skill or acquiring a skill. They might be for hitting a certain number of years of service with you. In Australia, they do this wonderful thing where you get three months off. It's called long service leave for staying in a business for 10 years. Like, isn't it amazing? It, it is literally codified in law that that must happen. And it's a paid holiday for three months. Pretty cool. That's a big medal. But not all medals need to be big. They don't need to be shiny. They don't need to clink. It's a metaphor. But think about it. Be intentional because it costs you very, very little to give recognition, to mark moments, and it's part of cultural glue. What do you determine people get medals for will form part of your cultural, you will be one of the threads of your cultural tapestry. Medals are awesome. And the last one for this episode is be patient, friends. Rome was not built in a day. Fitness is not gained in, to the level you require in six months or a year. We are playing the long game here. And one of my most wonderful clients and teams that I work with, they're in the course of resetting their mission and vision. A new value sort of crept into the conversations. And that value is all about thinking for the long term. And I love that. Veterinary medicine feels like it's been a very short-term thinking place for some time. A lot of money has flowed into veterinary medicine from private equity funds that people have been selling out and things have been made because of big paychecks and they've not been made for long-term good decision-making, I don't think. Rome wasn't built in a day. Be patient. Be committed. And when you're patient and you're committed and you see that things are in for the long term, you will make different decisions. Just as for me, this goal I want to set myself, I want to accomplish it by the start of 2020 or by the end of season 2025. But there's no way that I could have immediately competed at a level to compete for European honors as a Team GB athlete from being basically a novice. That's a ridiculous thing to think that you could accomplish. So I set myself challenges along the way. First challenge, would I be able to race at a level close enough as a 47-year-old that I was competing at when I was a 31-year-old? That's a big ask. I didn't know if my body would do it. Well, let's go see. There's only one we're going to find out and let's have a go. And if that year it was good enough, then I'll commit to building the base fitness and learning for a season how to be a triathlete. And I now have accomplished that and completed that. And the lessons I've learned this year I will put them into practice next year, but I'll be building my fitness on a much higher base level of fitness for next season so that that patience really starts to pay off. Yes, the early bird got the worm, but it's actually, it's the seagull that you see running around in the rain, stamping its feet that gets the worm to come out of the ground. They're patient and they're persistent. And those are great qualities, whether you're a triathlete or whether you're a leader. 
be patient with your people when they're learning skills. Be patient in your terms of your thinking. Make plans that are audacious for sure. But audacity doesn't mean delusional. Audacity means let's set ourselves a goal and let's build over an appropriate period of time that allows us to accomplish the steps along the way to achieving a goal that means that thing that looks utterly impossible when we think about it in one leap in a short space of time, if we actually broke it down to several smaller leaps that were accomplishable and a longer time frame, then we would not get discouraged on the pathway because we would see ourselves improving. Practice makes progress, remember but be patient. So many of these words, it's called a veterinary practice, right? Not a veterinary perfect. And maybe it should be called, you know, that, or maybe it's called that because practice does make progress. And maybe our patients are called patients because it requires us to have some patience. These are all just reminders of how perhaps we can be better leaders. So there you go. There's the first seven lessons from a season spent as a triathlete. There's another seven coming at you in the next episode, but I'm curious what lessons you might have learned from sports, whatever sports you've done. What lessons are helpful and you've taken lessons from that are transferable across to your work as a veterinary practice leader? Love to hear all about that. You know where to find me on the socials at Dr. Dave Nichol. Let me know if you enjoyed the show and until next week, be safe, be well, and be happy. So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Leadership Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here, be safe, be well, and be happy. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. Thank you.